This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm Adam Scalina, and I'm here with Rod McKay. How are you doing, Rod? Doing fantastic. How are you, Adam? Not too bad. Not too bad. So it was actually you and Seamus Bailey this week doing the interview with guest Nigel Clark from BFL Canada. Who's Nigel Clark? So Nigel Clark, he works in the insurance industry, specifically in construction and commercial real estate. Like you said, he's with BFL Canada, and they're one of the biggest companies out there. So he's got uh, lots of experience and, and had a lot of great things to say. Nice. And so what really, when we're thinking about insurance right now, like obviously we're in an, in an environment where interest rates are increasing. Uh, we're trying to get inflation under control. The market has, at least in residentials, changed. I'm guessing there's been some changes in the commercial market, but what are the, the big things that, like why bring on someone in insurance at this moment in the market? Well, I think insurance is, is something that, you know, not a lot of people understand all that well, but the reality is that in every single real estate transaction, insurance is involved. Uh, no matter what type of transaction, how big or how small, insurance uh, has a factor. And like you said, we're dealing with inflation, uh, rising interest rates. You know, we've got supply chain issues. And then, you know, from talking to Nigel, it sounded like there were a lot of parallels uh, to the insurance market from the commercial market. That's great. And so it's you and Seamus, you guys figured out the equipment okay? We figured out the equipment, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Corey was on holiday. I think he was riding some roller coasters down uh, down in Disneyland in California. And then sounded like you and Matt uh, had a little golf tournament there. So Seamus and I took over. But, you know, I think uh, after the listeners hear this episode, you guys might be out of a job. So I, <laughs> I appreciate you guys giving us the chance. Well, potentially backed by popular demand, uh, Rod, the Rod <laughs> yeah. and Seamus show coming coming soon. But uh, why don't we cut to yeah. our interview with Nigel Clark? Yeah, it's a great one. Let's do it. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. Impact Commercial. John, Allen, the team over there are fantastic. They've been, all been on the show. They have, yeah. Friends of the show. Great guys. Wealth of experience. They can help with all your commercial financing needs. Whether it's owner-occupiers, land development funds, commercial investments, or multifamily, these guys got you covered. And they recently obtained their CMHC correspondent lender status. So for all your commercial lending needs, visit them at impactcommercial.ca. That's impactcommercial.ca. Okay, so we're here with Nigel Clark, the Senior Vice President of Construction and Commercial Real Estate at BFL Canada, one of the largest risk management, insurance brokerage, and benefits consulting firms in Canada. How are you doing, Nigel? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Doing well, thanks. Yeah, pretty good. Can't complain. So we'll start off. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I'm, as you eloquently mentioned, um, I'm I'm working in the construction and commercial real estate team 
in Van- in BFL's Vancouver office. We're about within our immediate team. We're about fifty people strong. Between our insurance, surety, professional liability services, and then the other main divisions within our office, which are realty, like strata real estate, as well as general corporate makes up, you know, general business, like commercial business, as well as specialty mining and forestry. So we're big, we're a big firm. Me personally, I've been here for about 12 years now. I live in East Vancouver, just moved last year. I've got a wife and two young daughters that keep me pretty busy outside of this, uh, <laughs> this job I'm in. Awesome. Yeah. So we're so glad that you joined us today because you know, insurance is an industry that not a lot of people know too much about unless they're intimately involved in the industry. But it's an aspect of commercial real estate that we deal with in every single transaction. You know, there's tenants insurance, landlords insurance, mortgage insurance, strata insurance, construction insurance, and it seems like the list goes on. So we'll uh, we'll dive right into it. I'll, uh, I'll pass it over to Seamus Bailey here. Yeah, so um, you kind of touched on uh, the fact that you're in uh, commercial real estate and construction insurance, and the breadth of your company's coverage is pretty wide, but you yourself, uh, is there any kind of additional specialization within that, or uh, is it really just cover all of commercial real estate and construction insurance? Yeah, those two, between the, the both of them, keep us pretty busy, mm-hmm. um, and there's a, lot, there's a lot of intricacies between those two types of coverages as well, so... It really was born out of the fact that like we were primarily a construction team um, when this team formed back in, in the Vancouver office formed in 2004. But a lot of our clients, as you, you know, retain their assets. They have asset portfolios. And so we kind of manage the two of them together in sync, the construction and their operating assets. Yeah, makes sense. We are also wondering, so we've been, as most people would know if they're watching the news, we've been experiencing inflation and interest rates being on the rise and volatile construction costs. How is this affecting uh, your life in the insurance world and uh, your job? Yeah, good question. I mean, you know, the insurance business is no different than any other business right now in terms of its exposure to, you know, the inflation, the uh, inflation issue or and rising costs around construction. So we're not insulated from that. It is certainly prevalent in my day-to-day at the moment, certainly around when we're talking about values and insured values. So I just went through a a large uh, commercial real estate schedule uh, renewal that, you know, the insurers right now, so let's say the main property insurers, so the property insurance carriers, which are, you know, the guys that are responding to the earthquake, the floods, the fires, that make up the the lion's share of a premium that our our clients are are paying for. Their first comment kind of coming into the renewal process is they want to look at values. So they want to make sure that the our insureds, our clients are updating their replacement values to reflect the increased cost of construction and address inflation. So that's kind of a battle we're having right at the start of a renewal process. Now you know, some insureds have, you know, different ways of valuing their replacement cost. Like some have certain efficiencies that allow them to build cheaper than others. And so there's no one particular formula that we arrive at. It's a, you know, a sort of three or four pronged approach when we're arriving at a value that everyone is happy with, the insurers and our clients. 
Um, and so certainly, yeah, that, that those two topics are kind of front and center. And you've got insurers that have costs of their own that are going up. And so they're looking to recoup those, like just running an insurance company and the overhead associated with that is expensive. And so they are looking for rate just to cover that part. So you've kind of got, you know, two prongs coming at our clients right now with respect to those in terms of what impact that's having on their premium spends. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, from an insurance perspective, what's happening globally has a huge impact on it. If I'm in BC and I've uh, got a strata building, it sounds like, you know, my premiums could potentially be affected by bushfires in Australia or floods in, in China. Is that true? And what, uh, what other factors are, are driving the rising costs here? Yeah, that is, it is true to an extent. Absolutely. I mean, these insurers are multinational entities with reinsurance treaties that all bleed up into, you know, a handful of companies that are essentially insuring, you know, assets and everything in between around the world. So when, say, a, you know, a Munich Re gets, you know, hit with a massive wildfire in California or a flood in Florida, or hurricane in Florida, say, I mean, that has ripple effects on their, obviously their profitability, but then, you know, their insureds, which are the sort of the retail insurers that we are working with. Um, so if the reinsurance costs are getting hit, they're going up, those are going to bleed down to the prices that we pay as, you know, the customer. And so there's no question that there is a ripple effect with global disasters on that scale. And then, you know, you can break it down further into more of a macro a micro sort of environment in Canada and the US, especially recently in the West Coast, where we've experienced, you know, the flooding, you know, in the Fraser Valley last year, the wildfires, uh, you know, that we've had in the Okanagan in the last couple of years. And then certainly in California, that is a major factor because these are a lot of the same insurers that we are working with that are paying out these claims. Yeah, definitely. So I think Seamus touched on it a little bit, you know, talking about rising interest rates, inflation, construction costs, supply chain issues. And a lot of this, I feel like has stemmed either directly or indirectly from COVID-19. So in terms of insurance policies, are you seeing uh, any policies being pivoted? You know, if there's interruptions in business that are unavoidable? Yeah, so COVID had a a huge impact on our like the insurance like the insurer side of our business in terms of where their appetites went at pre and post covid like they may have been aggressive in certain sectors and covid hit and they just turned the taps off and there was a general approach in the height of covid where insurers weren't writing any new business and they certainly weren't taking on risks or classes of risk that are not as profitable or more difficult. And you could, you could, you could put residential real estate into that category. And so COVID compounded what was a very difficult insurance market. And that's when you heard, uh, you know, remember like when it starts making the news, like in the, when I, when I see strata insurance premiums making, you know, the local news or it's in the Vancouver sun, you know, it was kind of that period where COVID exasperated the issues that were already there in terms of where rates were going. So it's it's certainly leveled off now. 
it's nowhere near where it was before in terms of what the, what the insurer's appetites are and what they were writing it like price wise for at that time. But there's certainly there's more appetite back in the market. There's a bit more capacity. We have a bit more flexibility um, with certain you know risks that we may not have had last year or the year before that. Yeah, when uh, to go back a second, you mentioned that during the peak of COVID-19 that you wouldn't be writing new business or kind of avoiding more risky assets going forwards. Has there ever been another time or that you can think of where insurance has kind of just halted on things or is COVID-19 truly so unprecedented that it was the uh, kind of first instance of, I guess, actuarial scientists uh, kind of taking a backseat for a second? Yeah, no, I should say that we weren't right. It wasn't that we weren't writing new business. Is that the insurers just turn the taps off and looking at anything new? So they they met their obligations in the contract and the insuring agreement to stay on risk, but they were super stringent about you know sort of the renewal process, you know what they would take on and what they wouldn't. I would say from that perspective, it, COVID was something I you know we had never been a part of anything like that, so it was very new to us. And it just, it made doing the day-to-day of our business that much more difficult. And the frustrating part of this was, is that communicable disease, which is how insurers classify COVID or any other type of you know, pandemic event, is an exclusion on most sort of general property and, and casualty policies. So it's not like they were paying out a boatload of claims. They were getting you know, dragged into claims, but whether those get paid out or not, you know, ultimately will be the decision of the courts. So it was more just kind of, or it felt like a bit of a a general response of like, we just don't know what's going on. We're worried. We're just turning the taps off and we're going to see what happens. Right. Not unlike the interest rate environment right now and kind of in your guys' space where people are just maybe stepping back and reevaluating and just seeing where things land in the next couple of months. Yeah. So on that uh, same vein, we've heard terms, of course, we don't know exactly what they mean. So we ask, what does it mean exactly in insurance to be in a soft market or hard market? And where are we now? And perhaps even where are we headed? (laughs) Yeah, no, good questions. So the soft market is really characterized as a market that has a lot of capacity. There's a lot of insurers fighting for that same business. And so what, what that does is, you know, reduce pricing because you've got more supply and you get a lot more in terms of, you know, deductibles, uh, favorable deductibles and extensions and, you know, additional coverages because you have that flexibility. So it's, it's a market that we were in a soft market for, you know, I think well over a decade prior to 2019. I mean, it, it was already turning well before COVID, but we were in what was called, you know, a soft market. And for us, as as you know, sort of brokers in that space, it's it's a nicer place to be in because you're able to deliver your clients multiple options at usually you know reduced pricing, and everything is good news, right? The hard market is is the exact opposite of that. It's when you've got very finite amount of capacity for the same level of demand. And that, you know, that obviously would lead to increased rates, more restrictive coverages, higher deductibles. That is the market 
that we are in now. And it was certainly a tough transition being in this business where you were delivering some, you know, some some bad news and having hard conversations with your clients about, you know, where their insurance program was was going and where it is. I, I would say that now we're kind of, you know, my hope, my observations are that, you know, you know, just in the last six months, we we have seen a you know more capacity creep back in, which is softening this hard market. We're not in a soft market by any means, but we're certainly in a softer hard market. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we were wondering as well, so in commercial real estate, I'm sure you know, we deal with various asset classes, be it multifamily, retail, office, et cetera. Can you touch on how the insurance process or, uh, you know, policies differ between these asset classes? Perhaps some are more insurable or less. I'm not uh, not sure. Yeah. So they, like at the bare bones of it, they all insure the same thing, no matter what. Like mm-hmm. we're talking about the basics here. We're like, say, yeah. property and liability, which, which is, you know, 90% of you know, what a premium makes up. It's covering the same things, right? It, it doesn't matter what class it is. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'll just run through it. So property, you've got, you know, your coverage for your building, for earthquake, for flood, for water damage, for fire, for theft, vandalism, et cetera. And then on the liability side, you have, you know, coverage for third, you know, against third-party claims of bodily injury or property damage arising from your ownership or operations of your building. Okay, so between those two, they make up the lion's share of of what you're spending in premium. Now, in terms of desirability with insurers, insurers certainly prefer, you know, commercial and office type risk over residential. So they view residential habitational type risk as in a completely different lens than commercial. Now, that's only because it just has a higher propensity that is residential for claims. People are living in it. People have different ways of living, do different things. There's just more claims in that space than there is in commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. So it's the, between those two, I, I would say, you know, it, the process is a bit easier, for lack of a better term, under under the with the commercial office sort of, you know, retail landscape for us. Yeah. So just to piggyback on that, I mean, and we talked about it earlier too, the the strata insurance policies for these residential buildings, I think it was kind of midway to late 2020, even going to 2021. It was all over the news just talking about how these policies were skyrocketing. Is that still happening or is it because we're kind of in a hard market that's uh, a soft hard market and it's trending down? Is that leveling out or where are we at uh, with those strata policies? Yeah, so you know, I'll qualify this that uh, is not exactly my division, but I know enough about it to to speak to what was going on at that time. There was a, sort of a confluence of events that had happened to get it to where it was in that 2019, early 2020 period. So in BC and most of Canada, you have you know 99% of strata insurance policies placed via you know, three or four programs, right? Now, those programs have 20, 30 insurers on it, you know, from domestic to international to, you know, global insurers in Bermuda, you know, in Asia, and of course, in London, you know, you pretty much proportionately or did, you know, you have shares among all those insurers that take a piece of the program. So the program is the volume in which, like how many buildings you have in this you know, 
program, the insurers will take their proportionate share. So they're not necessarily evaluating each risk on its own. It's like part of large schedules, like from property managers. And it goes into this program and say you have a, say, for example, a Zurich who takes 20%. And then you have Lloyds of London that takes 10% share. And so they take 20 and 10% of the whole program. So what happened in 2019, 2020, out of these like 30 or so insurers who all play on this program, two or three that had big shares got out of the market. They, they pulled out or they said, if we continue to stay on, we're going to need to see massive rate increases and deductible changes. Now, this was all driven by losses. So we have a lot of stat. We have a large strata uh, program. So we have a lot of data in this space. And, you know, on average, the years leading up to 2019, let's say the four years prior to that, for every dollar that strata insurers were taking in in premium, they were paying out about $4 in claims. And so that can only go on so long before they need to make changes. And what happened, and, and the claims I should qualify were mainly water damage claims. So they are, you know, the number one frequency type event in, in the, had like the residential real estate space is water damage. So that's pipes bursting, sprinklers going, you know, they, they're very expensive claims, particularly when they're in high rises. And they were happening at such a, such a frequency for these insurers that they were just paying out way, way more than they were bringing in. So we started to see those changes. Insurers pulled out, out of these programs got out of like residential completely in North America. And so again, that's like that hard market, that capacity gets taken out, that leaves who's left. And those insurers that were left were like, okay, if I'm staying in or taking more, I'm going to need more rate. I'm going to need more deductible. And then you had, you know, things like COVID and, you know, other things that were happening at that time that, that just threw gas on the situation. And so that's when it started to get into the press where you had these strata buildings that don't carry large contingencies, you know, with senior citizens or, you know, people that, you know, aren't necessarily able to just fit a $10,000 assessment on insurance, you know, make, you know, rightfully so, like, this isn't right, something's going on. And, and so that's kind of why things got to where they got to then. I can tell you now that, it's certainly plateaued and it's starting to come down a bit as the profitability in the space has, you know, come back. Insurers are again, you know, willing to play as long and the deductibles are still high or higher for certain perils as we call so water damage may carry a much higher deductible than like a fire deductible. But that sort of adjustment has now brought profitability back into the space, into these programs on a national level. And so we are seeing a leveling off or reduction in prices. Wow, that that's a great answer for for somebody that says they don't specialize in this. Sure, <laughs> sure sounds like you know it inside and out. So let's uh, let's jump over to construction though. So if this gets said too much. I mean, I I wonder how many times on the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast we've said inflation, rising interest rates, and uh, supply chain issues. But with all of this. You know, is it with the rising costs, do insurers see it as more risky to give insurance to developers or how, how is that segment of the market playing out? Yeah, so insurers are looking at sort of construction insurance. So a property like a, 
in the construction space, if you take out a property policy for your project, it's called the course of construction policy. And that's meant to cover, you know, physical damage to the project from start to finish. So right from when the excavation starts to handover, whether it be retained or sold off as strata. This environment has, again, like similar to what I was mentioning on the commercial side, you know, had insurers maybe not always question, but dig down a bit more on the performance because they're they're based, these policies are based on the estimated construction costs, right? Because as you know, these projects that, you know, before all of this projects, construction has a, you know, there's a lot, of, you need a bit of bandwidth for changes throughout the term of a project. And so if the estimated project values are, you know, noticeably lower for something, you know, maybe a similar project that our insurers have done on another file, they may come back to us. But it's it's kind of less of an issue because ultimately they're adjusted at the end of the project anyways. So barring like a very material change in values, you say to the insurer, you go, okay, I estimate my project to be at 50 million. You know, at the end of the term, we're at 60 million you know, the, our clients would just pay the difference on the rate that was negotiated at the start of the term for that $10 million difference. And if they come in lower, which isn't typically the case now, they would get a return premium for that difference. So those construction policies are fluid, you know, to adapt to the, the realities of a project. Where we are seeing it most sort of evidently is is kind of where the, the extensions and bells and whistles on course of construction policies are in terms of, you know, you have like a margin clause or an escalation clause, which we used to be able to get done at 20% all day long. So that, that means that if we had a total loss and we had a $50 million project and we had a total loss with a $20 million escalation clause, well, we could be entitled to 10 extra million dollars a limit, you know, in the event that we were short that. So those types of clauses have certainly been reined in and they're kind of down at the 10% level. And again, if, if our insurers see a big discrepancy on estimated cost per square foot from what they deem as, you know, maybe the norm for the time, you know, we, we fight that battle all day, but it, it's certainly something that's more front of mind for sure. On that same note, I feel compelled to ask is since it's based off estimated construction cost and pro formas, is a developer's track record taken into account when, uh, you know, creating these insurance policies? Because, you know, you'll hear around the streets that XYZ developer has built three projects in a row that had, you know, a flood. Is that something mm -hmm. that's taken to an account on your end? Or uh, do you kind of view all developers as one and the same and uh, just kind of evaluate the pro forma? Yeah, so we work with a lot of developers and our approach is we package them up individually into the marketplace. And you're, you're basically, you know, it's, it's like you're developing a sort of a package that to promote what this project is and who's building it to achieve the best possible result for your clients. If, if a developer or, you know, a contractor has had a run of claims, you know, it certainly comes up and it's usually the insurers that have paid those claims. Obviously. <laughs> so they, they, they want to have a conversation about that, but, you know, often it's addressed by maybe tweaking some deductibles or maybe that insurer doesn't participate in that project or scales down the amount they're going to put up. But it's a pretty rare case in in terms of like the developers that we're working with have, have good track records, like nothing's perfect. But 
insurers, what they look for is frequency and severity. And if they have both of those, you know, that's their red flag. And that's when you have to engage with them on, on conversations around this particular builder, whether it be developer or contractor or CM, and make adjustments and pivot as you need to. But it doesn't often result in a, hey, we're not going to write this. It's pretty, pretty uncommon because, you know, it, it, there's so many different participants on a project that it's hard to pin it mm-hmm. on any one entity or company or trade or whoever. So it's just our job to make sure that we're communicating that properly to the insurers. Right. And then we kind of already touched on this, but at the risk of being redundant, there's a lot of talk of uh, us heading into an impending recession here for, you know, an undefined amount of time. How would this affect the insurance market? That is a good question. I, I think, you know, if you see a slowdown, you know, on all sides of the economy, that's going to make insurers more hungry to continue growth, right? So you could see scenarios where that's actually going to improve, you know, the, our, our current market of being sort of at the tail end of a hard market where insurers are looking for growth because they're not seeing the same volume that they were. And so if for that to, you know, be achievable, they have to get a little bit more aggressive than they have been in the last couple of years. So that's kind of my rose colored view on what a recession could mean for the insurance side of things. And that's already happening in tandem with a sort of softening in the market. But that's my expectation because ultimately these companies all want to grow, right? And they've had the ability in the last couple of years, given sort of, you know, the the state of, you know, certainly in the construction side, the volume that was coming into them where they could say no to a bunch of things and be okay and still meet their budgets and still meet their KPIs. That's not going to be the case if, things really slow down here and they're fighting for some business. And if they're fighting for business, that's good for us and that's good for our clients. Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up question. So as insurance brokers, you have almost an inverse relationship with a recession than a lot of like like ourselves for one or a lot of other industries who would view recession as uh, a really bad time to be doing the job. In some ways, it's uh, kind of nice as a insurance broker to be able to bring, bring good news to your clients. Yeah, it's obviously we prefer not to be in a recessionary <laughs> environment, but it's, it's, if it's if it's making like you know the, you know our clients have they deal with you know what they deal with, and insurance makes up a very small part of their day. So if we can be a small part of good news in you know another eyes, you know day of things that maybe aren't working out as as much as they hope, and that that's great. But we're we're not again we're not sheltered from the challenges of a of a recessionary environment as well. So you know we. You know, we're just going to have to wait and see how things kind of kind of pan out here. All right. Well, that that was a, an extremely informative talk. I really appreciate the time, Nigel. Before we head into the six pack, I know uh, you were joking around a little bit earlier uh, when we spoke about not wanting to bore the listeners, but I think you did a phenomenal job and there's lots of great information in there. But uh, do you have any fascinating stories that you can share with us from the insurance world? Anything that sticks out? Well, I'll share something with you guys that kind of is in line with what we're talking about, the escalation of costs. We had uh, a large project out east that suffered a major fire. So the project started, say, in 2018, right? So the policy was in place. It was a a large wood frame project. 
And it went up in flames kind of near the end, right? Right at the worst time for insurers, because when it's almost finished, that's when, you know, those construction insurers are most exposed, right? It went up and it was a total loss. And the values from, you know, when they had estimated those costs to what they needed now in today's environment to replace that same building, there ended up being like a $30 million difference. Wow. Wow. Right. So, you know, that that is a very unique situation. And there were some some factors around that particular area in the country and, and what was going on at the time. But it, it's really like a sort of, you know, jaw dropping <laughs> example yeah. of where these these costs have gone. Now, the, the insured is he's, he's going to be taken care of. He's, he'll be fine. But the insurers were just like, you know, it, it caused like we were saying before, it caused them to kind of put a microscope under what values are being reported now and and i should and i should say a lot of it is also you know you're going to have lenders involved as you guys know that will require certain limits and you know they're lending they've underwritten the project so we we don't really run into a big problem on values but you know certainly the lenders have a say you've got you know sort of the quantity surveyors having a say and you have the insurers having a say so around between everybody and they are of course on insurance having a say that the values are kind of coming in where they should be. But that was certainly an example that it really sort of hit at home on sort of where things are costing now versus a few years back. Yeah, that's that's a wild one and uh, really puts things into perspective. So thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, if you've got a little bit more time, we've got a six pack of lighthearted questions we'd like to ask you if you've got the time. Hit me with them. The six pack is powered by our good friends over at Red Point Law. Red Point Law, Corey, Tim, Falco, Scott, and the team. These are great people with a wealth of experience when it comes to commercial closings and private lending. And I just want to say, Corey, not to cut you off, they have a perfect five-star review on Google. So for all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca with offices in Vancouver and now open in downtown Kelowna. All right. so. Favorite vacation spot? Okay, since kids, I would say Hawaii. Anywhere in Hawaii. Excellent. That's a good choice. Which island, though? I actually like Big Island the most. Me too. Yeah, nice. You get get a bit of everything there. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Okay, number two. Favorite band or bands, if you so choose? Oh, nice. I get two. I'm going to limit this to 80s and 90s. Nice. Metallica. And Guns N' Roses. All right. So I, I, I said lighthearted questions here. So I, I, we're going to have to say, I think Corey Wright wrote this one. I don't know if he understands what lighthearted <laughs> means, but what would be your final meal if you were on death row? <laughs> <laughs> so I think I, w- I listened to the episode where Corey was the guest and, and he had said, I, he was like, bang on what I would do, or at least there were some similar themes. I keep it simple. You know, I, first of all, I wonder why I'm on death row. But <laughs> besides that, two cheeseburger meal with a filet of fish and hot mustard sauce. That's it. And, and, you know, maybe a chocolate mousse for dessert. Love it. What show are you currently watching on Netflix, if any? Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders. Good one. That's a good one. Favorite restaurant or bar? So, so restaurant, I would say Elisa. Oh, yeah. Yale Town. Nice. Yeah, see, that's out of my budget. <laughs> <laughs> I only go when uh, insurers take me, so it's it's nice. It's uh, it's it's a special spot though, and I you know it's really turned me on to to being more of a steak eater. So, awesome. and and bar and bar, I would have to say when the before the Blackbird 
mean, we're downtown, so oh yeah, yeah. Spent a lot of time the, there. The, the so before the Blackbird, the Blackbird uh, closed its doors. I, you know, I would say Sing Sing now on Main Street. Nice, Sing Sing. Yeah, good choice. And the obvious follow up question there, of course, is how do you order your steak now that you've become a steak man? Well, I was always medium, and now I'm going medium rare. But that's that's about as far as I go. Nice, that's in the good. right direction. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll crack the last of the six-pack here with uh, what is a book that you think all of our listeners should read? Uh, Okay, well, this is just topical, and I just recently read it. So it's called The Bitcoin Standard by Saifedean. And it's it's, like I I like – it kind of explains the history of currencies all the way back from like the Mesopotamian times to now. And – it's very topical from kind of the environment we're dealing with. And then it kind of sheds some light on what Bitcoin is. I thought it was really good. And I would recommend it to anybody. Interesting. Awesome. We'll have to check it out. All right. Well, that, uh, that pretty much wraps things up for us. But before we do, how can people get in touch with you if they want to reach out? Yeah, they can hit me with email. Uh, nclark, N-C-L-A-R-K, at EFLCanada.ca. Or they can just, uh, you know, give our, give our office a shout. 604-669-9600. Just ask for me. and. Happy to help. Awesome. Well, Nigel, that was a lot of fun. Really appreciate you taking the time and uh, please enjoy your long weekend. Guys, it was a lot of fun. Thank you. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. So that was our conversation with Nigel Clark, the Senior Vice President of Construction and Commercial Real Estate at BFL Canada. Lots of good takeaways from that conversation. Yeah, you know, I I haven't listened to the show yet, but I, you know, I talked to you and Seamus about it a little bit, and both you guys, it sounds like you uh, you learned a lot. Uh, what were some of the big takeaways? I mean, there was lots. I mean, you know, we talked about the parallels between what's going on just in macroeconomics today. You, you know, we're talking about inflation, we're talking about rising interest rates, and he talks about the parallels, you know, between the commercial real estate market and the insurance market. One of the things that he touched on were the difference between a soft market and a hard market in the insurance realm, which I don't think a lot of people know about it. Soft market essentially, you know, is better for the consumer. Hard market just means that there's less suppliers and more demand. Uh, but it sounds like, you know, we are in a hard market, but it's driving towards more of a soft hard market, if that makes sense. Right, right. So we're seeing some softness coming to the the insurance market then. So good good news then for people that are are looking for insurance. It sounds like it's headed in the right direction. And yeah, great conversation with Nigel. He's extremely knowledgeable about the industry and he really went in depth. I think uh, I think the listeners uh, should really enjoy this episode. So Rod, we checked in with Corey a couple of weeks back just about the market, but are you guys feeling the impact of the increase in the interest rates? Yeah, we certainly are. I mean, it's uh, we're definitely not immune to it. There's still lots of activity, but you know, it, it certainly is changing. And the reality is, too, in commercial real estate, when July and August come along, it always slows down anyway. So it's a little bit hard to tell, you know, whether it's the interest rates that are impacting this, or if it's just you've got clients on vacation, you've got brokers on vacation. Uh, lots of people are taking the time, especially after the beginning of the year that we had that was full of rain. Now we've got the heat wave going, so. Seems like a lot of people are away and it typically slows down this time of year anyway. Right. So maybe a time where there there might be if you're if you are looking for opportunities or if you if you are thinking about getting into the commercial real estate market, how can people get in touch with you, Rod? Yeah, me personally. So you can I always prefer a phone call. You can call me on my cell at 604 
763-5510. Or also feel free to reach out to me via email, roderick at williamwright.ca. All right, Rod. Well, thanks for taking the time today and thanks for filling in uh, the Rod and Seamus show coming soon. All these guys on vacation, Matt on vacation, Corey on vacation. You guys are uh, doing God's work here at home. Yeah, we, well, we really appreciate you having us on. All right. Take care. All right. Thanks. Subscribe today. Subscribe today.